what I dive in Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello everyone and welcome to Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. It is Friday. Friday, Friday is payday, right? What usually happens on payday? Well, we get to pay our rent, right? We pay our bills nowadays. That's what we do. So welcome to Friday uh, movie night. Today we have Heather on the show. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking with Heather. So um, again, our promoter, Jill, uh, introduced me to Heather. And I've been able to speak with her a couple of times. We had some great conversations. Um, Heather is a peer family coach uh, for partner partnership to end addiction. And um, she's going to go into that. She's going to go into that some force. I'm really looking forward to that. And she is also the owner of Full Family uh, Recovery, okay, which is a newer program starting up that is based around families. And, you know, it's a family disease, guys. Um, you know, and the whole family gets sick, so we all need support, right? But Heather... Um, welcome to the program or welcome to the show. I appreciate, I appreciate you taking your time today and, uh, being on. Thank you, Dion. Thanks for having me. Certainly. Um, so Heather is, you know, we talked a little bit before and, uh, so I want to qualify something here. So Heather was saying, you know, she Heather has had some long-term sobriety and, uh, she kind of felt like, you know, old timers tend to tell their stories a lot. So she's going to qualify everything. And it's still going to be the usual course of things. It's just that Heather would rather spend most of her time in what it's like now and what recovery is like for her now. And that's where she prefers to. And I find that people with long-term sobriety tend to talk more about about that. So I'm going to go ahead and open up the show, Heather. And uh, it is now Raw Recovery with Heather. It's all yours. Thank you. Um yeah, I I still plan to talk about what happened or what it was like, what happened and what it's like now, but in relationship to um, what happened to my family sure. in the last couple of different uh, years. Okay. I have been sober for um, all of my adult life. Yeah. I got sober when I was 21 and okay. I have a grandbaby now, so... Make your, you. own, <laughs> make your own uh, assumptions about how old you think I might be. I'm not even um, going to Yeah. Um, and like I had said earlier, I think there's plenty of stories floating around out there from people with long-term sobriety about, sure. you know, how they got sober and what life's like today. And um, my sobriety story, honestly, is, is um, really not actually very pretty okay. um, my years of sobriety have been actually really really hard and that that might be a story for another day okay um you know talking about how people can you know how i've stayed sober through just about everything, everything yep. um but what i want to focus on today is um what happened as a recovering alcoholic married to another recovering alcoholic who mm -hmm. raised our kids in sobriety and raised our kids around a program 
mm-hmm. and who thought we had pretty much had a lot of the answers as to what to do if sure. anything ever happened with one of our kids. Um, we had raised them in a sober environment. Um, we were, you know, 12 step program people. So we worked a program, mm-hmm. so to speak, air quotes for those out there listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, and our kids had never seen us, you know, drink or take mm-hmm. drugs or smoke cigarettes or, you know, do anything like that. There was, or even old behaviors. Well, I can't, I can't uh, claim that okay. because what right. I've come to learn since all this has happened <laughs> is that we were still practicing old behaviors. We yeah. just didn't know we were, we were doing that. Yep. Um, so we, I honestly thought, and I think my husband probably did too, that our kids were safe okay. from alcohol and drug addiction. Um, I don't think we were naive enough to think our kids would never, you, you know, experiment Experiment, or you know go to parties or you know do anything like that but i i think we both thought they were they were safe you know we had broken the chain you know that's the that was the thing we had broken the chain of addiction in our family because generational right because we were both sober yep and so um that's kind of the, the platform that we were working from Okay. And in our youngest son, I'm not going to use his name because oh. it's, you know, his, his stories. You got me? Yeah. Yep. Okay. His story is his story and I'm not going to break his anonymity, but, um, thank you. He, he had had issues, um, throughout life with some various things that, that we were always concerned might affect him. And as he got older, we started to see see some things that concerned us. I, I had been concerned for a long time, but I didn't think it was drugs or alcohol. I thought it might be mental health issues, Okay. Um, which we had gotten help for. And, you know, things seemed to kind of ebb and flow with him. Okay. And when he got to be... Um, 18, he left home right after high school. And my husband's career military, my father-in-law was career military. And I think he said something like, I'm done being in boot camp. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he, he moved um, across state lines to uh, quote unquote, marry a young lady he had met and spent okay. six weeks with. And that really concerned us greatly. And yeah. it there was nothing we could say or do that that could stop him. And he and it was it was um, a roller coaster. And that okay. roller coaster didn't stop until March of this year. Mm-hmm. And in the in between, you know, him turning eighteen and he's twenty five now, um, the situations got more extreme. Okay. Um, the problems got you know, elevated. And in there he started, well, let me back up. I think he was probably already using to some degree, mm-hmm. um, drinking. I don't think drinking cause he's never really been said. He's never really had an attraction to that, but okay. drugs for sure, maybe marijuana. And I don't know what else. Um, but by the time he told us he was using, I think he'd probably been using for a while if, you know, if my spidey senses tell me anything. Yeah. 
and uh and being an alcoholic myself i know i you know i i have a little bit of an awareness yeah how you, these we, things go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um i think when he was 21 or 22 he said that he was he was smoking but if we weren't to worry about it it was for his anxiety and to sleep at night and it was all okay and you know he he was using it responsibly and his dad and i were just honestly naive and thought well of all the drugs he could possibly take mm-hmm. out there i mean pot's got to be one of the safest right yeah that's nah, kind of yeah that's the thought process behind it mm-hmm. but not for an addictive personality no and really not in my opinion this is just my opinion and i know there's lots of opinions out there on on marijuana use but mm-hmm. What he was smoking was not the marijuana that I was smoking back in 1987. <laughs> it just it wasn't. A lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know what that's what he was smoking, but it was not the chill factor marijuana that I was smoking <laughs> back in high school and early college, because he was he was smoking and man, he it was it was crazy town. Was it? Oh yeah, and um. Long story short, from 21 to 22 to 25, he wound up uh, married and divorced in very Mm -hmm. short order. He became homeless. Um, He became, he had a psychotic break from reality. He spent two years on the street. Um, We live in the Midwest and he stayed we retired from the military and moved to the Midwest and he stayed, he stayed on the East coast. So we were separated and he Mm -hmm. was on, he was on the streets. Okay. Um, the first, when he first became homeless, it was winter. And so it was very cold and that was very, very hard Mm -hmm. for, for us as parents. Mm -hmm. Um, and there really wasn't a lot of reasoning with what to do, how to handle this, where to Mm go, Um, And because all we knew was 12-step background, which is filled with tough love and Mm -hmm. let them hit bottom and, um, you know, they've got to want it. You can't make them want it. You're powerless. Um, You know, you didn't cause it. You can't cure it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that whole phraseology that you hear in Al-Anon, you know, we were, we had learned and we're being told detach mm-hmm. now they say detach with love but how do you how do you do yeah that's that? it yeah how do you do that what does that look like yeah what exactly does that look like mm-hmm. and the only way i knew how to detach was just to detach completely yeah that's how we're taught in the 12 steps mm-hmm. that's how we detach we remove ourselves yeah and that was gut-wrenching and impossible and impossible it was. No, it is. I it, have children of my own that went through the same thing, and it's it's so much different. It's just, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, and that that started a couple of year, just nightmare of watching him go from from bad to just. I I don't even have words for how bad it got. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did the only thing I knew to do. I went to Mm Al-Anon and it did help me. Sure. Um, I am grateful for Al-Anon. It did help me. Um, it helped me. 
Uh -huh. um, it did help me. You said earlier, you know, you weren't practicing the isms, the, the, the dysfunctional behavior. What I learned in Al-Anon is I was still practicing okay. um, dysfunctional behaviors. You know, I still was trying to control everything in my okay. family. I was still trying to make everybody happy. I was still trying to keep anybody from ever feeling any kind of pain. Okay. I was still trying to be a perfect parent, mm -hmm. um, i.e. different from the way I grew up. Um, you know, I still, I overmothered, you know, okay. both of my kids. Um, I didn't allow for natural consequences growing up because okay. um, I didn't want them to ever hurt or feel any pain. Right. Um, and it was a, it was really a reaction to the way I had grown up. Sure. And so I learned these things in Al-Anon, and I learned that I had to quit doing them. Mm -hmm. And I also learned that I was powerless over my son, and there was absolutely nothing I could do but wait mm -hmm. for him to hit bottom. But my son was living at the bottom. Yeah, he was there in mm -hmm. your eyes. Yep. Well... He was living in the middle of winter mm -hmm. next to a dumpster I've with been no there. food, yep, no clothing, nowhere yep. to nowhere to go, no mm -hmm. cell phone. And it's 10 degrees outside. Yep. So anybody that says that's not the bottom, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry for getting upset, but you don't need to apologize at all. But that's, he was living at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And he didn't need tough love. He needed hope. He needed a roof over his head. He needed hope and he needed a way out. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't see that and I couldn't see that. And I honestly didn't know what to do because I was being told there wasn't anything I could do. Yeah. And so what do you do when you when you're faced with that with that with that problem, mm -hmm. right? And what I know today and I'll get to this at some point is that there are thousands of families that are faced with this mm -hmm. every day that are faced with this exact same situation with their kids or their family members. They have family members that have hit the bottom of the barrel and they're being told there's nothing you can do, mm -hmm. you know? And what I found out once I began to really seek out answers was that there are things that you can do. There are. No. There are ways and methods and tools and strategies that you can employ with your family member or your loved one mm -hmm. that, that can motivate them to want to change that can motivate them to want to seek recovery. Yep. And the number one thing that I learned through all of this is that I had to keep the doors of communication open with my son. And what that meant was that tough love had to leave the room mm -hmm. and love had to take over. Yeah. That did not mean I had to condone his behavior. Yeah. Or let him mean, cross boundaries or right, anything like right, that. Right. It didn't mean that I had to um, love the fact that he was, you know, doing all kinds of drugs. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean that. It just meant that when he called, he had to know that no matter what he was doing, no matter how he was living, that his dad and I loved him. Absolutely. We accepted him. 
and we would do whatever we could to help him within the boundaries we had set for him. Yeah. Because what we didn't Good want job. to happen. Thank you. What we didn't want to happen was something to something tragic to happen to him yeah. and him not, not be know that we loved him or not be able to reach out. Right. Um, we wanted that door open yeah. with him. When I was, and, go ahead. Yeah. When I was, I'm, I'm kind of relating to this to my story because my mom is uh, kind of the president of tough love. Um, <laughs> and even, uh, but I mean, I mean, even she's changed at 35, you know, she long-term sobriety. But when I was going through my stuff, I, you know, she was like a year sober. So, I mean, really it's all she really could have probably done at the time. You know what I mean? She didn't have that yet, but, um, but that meant that I got put away during my teenage mm -hmm. years and that right there made me hate them for years. In fact, I divorced them because mm -hmm. they put me away and just pushed them straight. Now I have a great relationships with my, with my, with my mom and my dad. But, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I wonder, you know, what would have been different for me. So when my daughter started going through it, I made the decision that I wasn't going to do that to her. I'd made the decision that I was going to let her know, Hey, yeah, things are going on, but that doesn't mean I don't love you. It doesn't mean I'm not here. It doesn't mean that I don't care. So that the day when she was ready and the day came, she called me. Yeah. And I think that's the critical part of, of this is that as parents, I think it's, it's almost inhumane to tell parents, stop, stop taking care of your kids. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be a way to get the message to the parent. You can take care of your kids, but within these certain parameters. Yeah. And, um, the the word that's you know you hear constantly is if you help your kids at all you're enabling them yeah you're enabling yeah. you're enabling and enabling is it's doing for someone what they can do for themselves mm -hmm. you know it's calling into work and lying for somebody mm -hmm. when they're not <clears throat> when they're hungover or whatever it is they are but legitimately offering help to someone that legitimately needs help, that is not enabling. Nope. That's helping someone. No. And that someone could be your child. It could be your husband. It could be your neighbor. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, I took it to mean that if I helped my son in any way, shape, or form, I was enabling then him. Then I was a bad person. I was a bad parent, and I was prolonging the process and he would continue to lose to use for a longer period of time. Mm -hmm. Therefore I could help him in no way, shape or form. And that just made me feel terrible Sure, because did. I, because that's what I did. And it made me feel like a horrible parent. And so I'm sorry. Yeah, it was, but you know, I'm not alone. No, I'm you're not, not unique. You are not. Th and thank yeah. you for saying that. Thank you. Yeah, there's, I know lots there's of people. There's hundreds and thousands of us. Yeah. I mean, you talk to parents that, I talk to parents frequently and that's, I've heard this. I mean, this, I took, when I went through my training with the partnership to end addiction to become a family peer coach, mm -hmm. that's the number one. I mean, that was, we did a whole training on this. Yeah. Well, know? and you probably remember because you've been, you know, the, 
I was at CAC in 1989. So I've been, you know, I didn't, I don't have continues. But anyway, just the length of time, if you remember back then, it was like the stats were like one in every 10 people or whatever has an alcoholic parent or child. Now, everybody with mm-hmm. the opiate addiction, it's wide open. I don't know of anybody that doesn't know somebody that isn't addicted to something anymore. Yeah. The stats on on addiction, as far as the number of people that are affected by or impacted by, I don't I don't even know how you count those numbers. Anymore. I wouldn't know how you would anymore. <clears throat> They're everywhere. Yeah. I mean, and people I think I, you know, I'm not going to mention anything, but I talked to someone recently sure. and they said, oh, I, I haven't told anybody. I'd never tell anybody about this. And I said, why? And they said, I, I don't don't want anyone to know that this is happening to my child. Yeah. <clears throat> the state. And I, yeah, she said, I don't, I'd be, I'd be so ashamed and embarrassed. And I thought, so how, you know, that's the numbers you and I are talking about are just the ones that are known about. Exactly. Not even the hidden numbers. Exactly. The denial numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much, how much leeway do you give for those? So yeah. I, I tend to base things off of what I see going on and I can, I could sit down and talk to, you know, a quote unquote normie. I guarantee you, I will find an addiction. Mm-hmm. Give me five minutes. Well, let us talk. Um, it may not be you, but it will be somebody in your family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and of course, I think it's natural for us as parents to protect our children from the outside forces, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when somebody says that, I get it. I, as a parent, I understand. There are some things my children do that, you know, I wonder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you guys, I gave a really big open-eyed expression. I forget that we're not on video. So, um, yeah, but... Uh, there again, and there used to be a lot of stuff for families and that kind of disappeared too. So mm-hmm. I really like the fact that we are as a community getting back to the family disease. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Nancy Reagan started that. She, I love Nancy Reagan. I loved her prevention program. Um, yeah, a lot of people made fun of it, but you knew what it was. <laughs> And it was, it was um, geared towards prevention or educating people mm-hmm. on addiction and alcoholism. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, I think education is a huge part of this, you know, educating families, educating um, our police force, educating yeah. our medical providers, you know, the stigma that's attached to the professional community, you know, it's there, this, you know, you can look at the numbers of how um, if you have anything on your medical record that designates you as a someone with a recovery background, mm-hmm. your medical care isn't as good as someone else's. Uh-huh. Same thing with if you're picked up by the police for a speeding ticket mm-hmm. and anywhere on your record, there's a background in substance abuse. Yep. You're aut- automatically considered suspic- suspicious. Yeah. I mean, but, there needs... And I- I don't know if they're doing that this in Colorado. I haven't heard of it yet, but from my understanding, there's going to be mental health workers riding around with police officers now for, you know, DV situations or Mm -hmm. things that are involving that, which I think is a fantastic idea. 
Yeah. I, I really think as a recovery coach, it's my job to go meet those people where they're at, not where, not them coming to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually doing that on the show. We have a doctors coming on, we have lawyers coming up We have, you know, um, so we have a lot of different professional people coming on because I have a kick-ass promoter. So <laughs> there's your plug, Jill. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, that's what I was really into. But I'd really like to hear more on the partnership and addiction too. Well, that's where you're I was going to, that's where I was going to. Okay. So I'll be quiet you know, now. That's back to you. Well, what I was going to, you know, I've talked about what it was like, but what happened was um, I started looking into alternatives to uh-huh. those to those you know traditional programs mm-hmm. and i'm not putting those down at all please nope. hear me i'm not putting yep. them down got it um but the first one i found was and i'll plug her and you know her is amber hollingsworth her. her youtube channel her youtube channel called put the shovel down mm-hmm. and she's a master addictions counselor who has a youtube channel and a practice yep. she has her own professional practice and she teaches the craft method she and that's bad Yes. I love Amber. Yes. And the craft method is, is just a method of ta- it's a different communication mm-hmm. style that you can use with your with your family member who's struggling with addiction to help you build better bonds to mm-hmm. help the lines of communication stay open and it teaches you a different way. And that was the my first toe in the water of Hmm, there is something I can do. Mm-hmm. There is a there is a different way that my husband and I can be reacting mm-hmm. and responding to this. And I started listening to everything she she put out. She she gives a lot of power, man. She oh. gives yet she really builds you. That's what I like about her so she, much is just how yeah. she presents it and and how how you say things matters, man. Yeah, how language matters. How you say things matter. You know, there's a huge difference between, you know, if you don't stop using, we're kicking you out to mm-hmm. versus, you know, your dad and I have discussed this and, you know, this is our boundary. We mm-hmm. love you. We'll, we'll help you find treatment. But if you continue to use in the house, we're not going to be able to have you here. Mm-hmm. Those are two totally different conversations. It's that yes. there, you're saying the same thing, but the way you're saying it, mm-hmm. one is one is tough love and confrontational, and the other is having a healthy boundary but see, being said in love. They're mm-hmm. very very different. Which one do you think is keeping that door open with that exactly. child? Now, Even the if child they decide a- to leave. Right. The child's not going to like either one of those necessarily. It doesn't mean the mm-hmm. child's going to go, yay, they're, they're loving me through uh, this. Yay, we're going to have a year. Yeah. No, it's, yeah. But you're, the chances that that child's going to come back at some point and know they can call you if they want help mm-hmm. goes significantly up on that second example. And that's what I started to learn with Amber. You know, her big thing, the one of the first things that I watched with her. It was one where she said, don't put yourself in a position where you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we've been making ourselves a bad guy. For, <laughs> for Amber, quit now. reading my mail. <laughs> and from there, I found um, the Partnership to End Addiction, mm-hmm. which is a whole nother um, program. They're a nonprofit out of New York, and they okay. their whole their entire mission is to help families mm-hmm. that are suffering um, with they've been r- severely impacted by addiction in their family and they offer all kinds of support 
they offer parent coaching, which is what I do mm -hmm. for, for them as a volunteer. They offer all kinds of, they have a weekly weeknight and Saturday morning support groups that are free that you can log on, on zoom, just like we're, you know, doing now. Mm -hmm. um, they have booklets, pamphlets, um, nice. you name it. They offer all kinds of, all kinds of support materials to families that are mm -hmm. suffering through substance abuse with the family member. Um, and through there, um, I, I, they asked me if I wanted to be a parent uh, recovery coach with them. And I signed up for that program and went through it. And from there I found the center for motivation and change. Okay. And that is a program run by Dr. Jeff foot and, uh, Ken Carpenter and okay. they wrote the book beyond addiction and it's uh, all about okay. the science and um, the science behind addiction mm -hmm. and the, and motivational interviewing and um, all of the things that go with. And if anybody wants, you can go to their website. Yeah. yeah that, that's, that's fantastic. For motivation stuff. And yeah. Change. yeah. Especially if you're a recovery coach, mm -hmm. um, those books are fantastic. Yeah. And uh, the training through the partnership to end addiction for the family peer coaching was phenomenal. I could not believe. I I I have been sober thirty years, Dion, and I had learned stuff in that coaching class <laughs> about addiction. Okay. That I never knew. Okay. I learned. I mean, they go into why does someone use? Why do mm -hmm. why do people use substances? Yeah. And I just always thought, well, I'm an alcoholic, you know, I'm an I, because <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. That's why I did it. Yeah, that's but a scientific go, term right there. Cause, you know, or it's a disease. I, yeah. I have the disease of alcohol. That's why I use. Mm -hmm. And they go into the fact that there is a, there is an instant reward for mm -hmm. using. It might be an emotional reward yep. or a mental reward or a physical reward or a social reward. And, I learned all these things and I, I t kid you not, I came out of that training and thought, I really have a lot more compassion for myself, mm -hmm. for my husband, my mom, my son, because I understand now what has been driving a lot of this behavior yeah. in myself and in other people. It yep. made sense. Mm -hmm. And when it made sense, I could I could have compassion where maybe yeah. in the past I would not have. Mm. And that was huge. That was a huge breakthrough for me. That's a so, big switch. Good on oh, you. Oh, it was huge. It was a huge switch. And I, that was for a parent coaching training. That mm -hmm. wasn't even a recovery coaching yeah. training. <laughs> and I, I was shocked. I was like, where, where's this been all, all these years? Mm -hmm. You know, I've learned all this from a parent coaching training about myself as an alcoholic and an addict mm -hmm. yeah. from, you know, I was, I was really shocked by that. So, you know, where we're at today, um, back, um, in December of last year, um, 2019, um, uh, my son was here briefly. Okay. He had been here this, that, uh, this past fall and he had had a period of clean time. Okay. Um, we knew he had some mental health issues. We had tried to get him help for that. Okay. Um, hadn't been very successful. Mm -hmm. um, the doctor had given him a prescription for depression and anxiety, and unbeknownst right. to us, it was the wrong type of medication, oh. which made things worse. worse. And by 
some probably sometime in October of 19 he had he had begun using marijuana again all right and by December he he was pretty far gone mm-hmm. and um <clears throat> he left he he found a plane ticket and uh first went to Vegas and then hopped his way back to the east coast where uh-huh. he really I guess wanted to be and um sounds I like thought, a last hurrah to me I don't really That's know what... what it was because he was pretty much he was pretty much um he had had a break with reality okay All right. so I don't I don't really know what it what it was other what it than could have been sure he, okay it, he was desperate sure I think at that point and uh I had thought it had been bad in 18 when he was homeless, but this was so much worse, so much worse. And, uh, yeah, it, it got a lot worse, Okay. but, um, and it got worse for our family. Mm-hmm. And I'm very grateful that I had some of the tools that I have. Because it did allow us to keep the doors open. It allowed mm-hmm. us to keep the conversation open. Yep. It allowed us to keep the um, bonds of love with him, no matter what he, he was saying or doing. Mm-hmm. Because by this point, he was saying and doing some pretty, pretty out there stuff. Okay. And if I hadn't known that love was the was the major factor of importance. I could see where I would have at some point just said, don't call us ever again. Yeah. And then what would have happened? Yeah. The door would have been slammed and, shut. And he wouldn't have known where to go. And yeah. I don't think he would have gotten the same result. No, I don't. And so in March of uh, this year, he was um, involuntarily committed by the police okay. to a hospital. And he was there three weeks and which was a good thing honestly is what he needed yeah because he wasn't safe um to himself or to others and um he obviously had some pretty severe issues going on and from there he um towards the end of his time there he called he was calling me every day and um (laughs) he was very medicated on how on on how doll so we had some okay. interesting conversations <laughs> um but towards the end he said mom there's something really wrong with me mm-hmm. and i said yeah i know there is and he said would you please help me and i said yeah i will and um from there through a series of miraculous events Mm-hmm. He wound up in a dual diagnosis treatment program, long-term awesome. treatment program down in Florida. And awesome. he's been there. He's been yeah. there ever since. Mm-hmm. And so what we found out once he got down there is that he has a very serious mental health issue. Wow. Okay. He's had pr- probably all of his life, mm-hmm. but that morphed when he was a young, young, uh, uh, an older teenager. Okay. Um, which is what we saw when he was 18 and didn't understand. And yeah, something had happened and you didn't know what was, mm-hmm. what was happening. Yeah. Okay. And so, um, you know, all of that using all of that, all of those drugs, all of the behavior, he was trying to manage his mental health. Yeah. And he didn't know how. Yep. And he was, he was 
he was overwhelmed. He was afraid. He mm-hmm. was scared. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know yeah. why he felt the way he did. He didn't understand what was going on with him. Mm-hmm. And he was using because of that. Yeah. And we didn't know that either. You know, we didn't know that that was what was going on with him. And that, that almost seems legitimate. I mean, he but was just many, trying to take care of it himself. It sounds but like how many, it, it went wrong. Addicts, how many alcoholics and addicts do you know, myself included, that are like that? Exactly. So many, so many of us. And and isn't it weird that, I mean, addiction, alcoholism look just like a mental illness. Like mm-hmm. um, I've, I've been diagnosed with PTSD um, and PTSD looks a lot like alcoholism. Um, that's why you can't be diagnosed for a lot of things till you're like six months sober yeah. um, because it just looks so much alike. Yeah. Um, so what you saw was legitimate though. What went through your head was you were, you were seeing addiction and in a right. sense you were. Right. Well, he is, a di- he is, he does have a yeah. drug addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he will never be able to use substances safely Correct. again. Um, you know, one day at a time, he hasn't picked up for seven months. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, God willing, he won't pick up today. That's all we have is today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what my husband and I focus on with with him is yeah. he's he's safe today. He's healthy today. He's in a good place today. Um, that's all any of us have that are in recovery is today. Mm-hmm. Um so he is he is uh, uh, someone who has suffered with addiction, but he also has a has a a very real and prevalent mental health addiction uh, uh, health mental health issue. Mm-hmm. And if that is not treated, then he'll you know it's right it would be impossible yeah mm-hmm. be impossible to stay sober. And so you know. That's what I was saying when I was talking about helping with understanding. Mm-hmm. Family families have to understand that there's more behind addiction than just I want to feel good yes. or I like using drugs. You know, I I was sitting in a training with with a class and somebody said, "Well, we all have bad days. We all feel down. We all feel depressed. We all have trouble in social situations." Sure. And I said, "I said, yes, we all do." But for the addict or the alcoholic, we need immediate relief. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that is. Yeah. I, I'm not a doctor, yeah. not a neuroscientist. I don't know why that is. Yeah. But that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's a fact. And But once I know that, and I don't need to really know why in order to work on that and be aware of it. Well, some parents, I guess feel like they need to know why that is. Yeah. And my, my whole point is, is I don't know why, but does it matter why yeah. your child is like, your child is like that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you... I kind of feel like I'm arguing with God when I ask why. Mm-hmm. It so. just is, you know, it just is. And what you have to deal with now is today. Now you have the information. Yeah. What do you do with it? Exactly. You know, do you punish that person because they have this or do you find or do you figure out how to how to interact with that person? Mm-hmm. Now? And do you and figure out how compassion. to communicate? Yeah, yeah. And have compassion. And so, you know, he's he's doing okay. our family is doing a lot better. Good. Um, I won't say we're 
a hundred percent over Uh, all of that's it. okay. Um, it's been a long journey, um, a very long journey. Some of us are, are more healed from it than others. Yeah. Um, you know, it affected, it affected more than just myself, my husband, you know, his, oh. his siblings, his grandparents, Friends, his, cousins, you know, yeah, it affected a lot of people. Police. Yeah. Fire, therapists. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We affect a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, my, like I was telling you earlier, I, you know, I could certainly, I, I am a certified recovery coach and I could help um, people in new recovery and mm-hmm. um, I could help coach them through the perils of their first, you know, 30, <laughs> 60, 90, 100 yeah. days or, you know, whatever it might be, because I've done a lot of that in the past. But my real passion is to help families because yeah. there's so little out there for families. And that's why you're starting the full family recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I want to help people that don't know what to do. Yeah. That were in the situation that you were in. Yeah. Now, this is kind of the way that I see it because I'm an AA. Or, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love AA. I, I got to mean. But AA is not the only way to recovery, and AA is not the only, you know. Um, you know, the book was written in 1932. We know a lot more now. We understand mm-hmm. a lot more. Um, and it, it says in the big book, we will learn. We're going to know more. It says mm-hmm. it right there on page 164. You know, we're going to know more. It says, go talk to your doctors, talk to therapists, talk to other people. It even says it's not the only way. So therefore, tough love is not the only way to get through to your kids. Now, that might be a situation, but maybe not calling it tough love, you know. Um, but there again, I hear you saying, you know, it's more we need to get back because it used to be we used to have it used to be family used to be very big mm-hmm. when it came it came to this. So um, I'm not sure. Maybe it was low on the totem pole. Corona happened and it just kind of fell apart. Um, so. Um, are you going to be practicing from home? Is this going to be like a telehealth mm-hmm. for you? Like so anybody in the country, mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, a virtual, virtual coaching. I my life isn't really set up to where I can do much outside of virtual coaching. I've still got um, people at home that depend on me for a lot of different things, mm-hmm. so I have to do it around my time and. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's my intent is to yeah. is to do it from home yeah. as a virtual as a virtual coaching practice. Yeah. I, I I do all mine virtual. Mm-hmm. It, and I think it you allows can help, me. Go ahead. I think you can help more people that way that's too because you're yeah. not limited to a certain geographical mm-hmm. area, and anybody from anywhere can can seek out your help if they mm-hmm. if they need it or want it. And, and, and that's, it, it frees that would up be my time goal. and it frees up money. So that I can be even more helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think even after this goes, after the coronavirus is done or whatever, um, telehealth is still going to be a very big proponent. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. before it even started. So yeah. Well, and you know, with the way that the um, opioid epidemic is going, I don't think mm-hmm. there'll be a lack of need for something like this anytime soon. Correct. I mean, the, the rates on addiction are, have skyrocketed mm-hmm. during 
during, during the pandemic. Yeah. They were bad. They were already really bad, but they're they're so much worse now. And, and um, I don't I don't look for that number to go down. Unfortunately, anytime soon. Yeah. yeah, what was a crisis is now an epidemic. Yeah, yeah. And that's really that's truly a shame. I mean, it it really is. And you and I have talked about how this needs to be a grassroots effort and mm-hmm. you know community level, local local level level effort um, of people that come together to seek out solutions to this. And, you know, to me, this feels like a part of that, you know, something that I can do um, to help, even if it's, you know, you always just say, if I help one person, it's worth Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that's your 12th step right there, Mm -hmm. you know, service and giving back and helping, helping somebody up. And, um, you know, there were, there have been a lot of people that have helped me along the way as we've traveled this journey with my son. And I just, you know, for years and years and years, I gave back through, through the 12 step programs. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I reached a certain point and I was telling Jill, I just got exhausted, Yeah, you know, but I just feel like this is, this has been such a life changing truly life-changing experience with my mm-hmm. son yeah. um, that it would almost be I hate to use the word criminal but okay. <laughs> it would almost be criminal not to not to reach back down and help somebody else that was yeah. suffering yeah. because the parents I you know I don't for one second discount what my son went through no because no. it was horrific yeah um, but I do know that the families, what the families are going through is, is just a nightmare and it they need be. help too. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times the addict or alcoholic might get help and they start getting quote unquote spiritual and the family doesn't move along with that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. my wife had a big fear when I got sober because most people that get sober don't stay together because they don't grow together. Yep. Um, yep. And so I promised her I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> like, oh no, <laughs> trust me. Yeah, that ain't gonna happen. Not a not ain't yeah. happening here. So so um the partner to end addiction, you are you are a, a peer family coach over there. Um let's the, do a little bit of plugging on the full family also. What were you saying? It it's the partnership, the partnership oh, to end oh, addiction. Partnership to end addiction. And they can be found at www.drugfree.org. And they have to give us our money when I was in uh, a thing called the uh, the West Side Drug Free Youth Team Mm. uh, back in the 90s. And they gave us our money. They were the drug free or drug free Mm. guys. Yeah. Um, How does somebody get in touch with you? Um, Can they get in touch with your website, Facebook, phone? You want to hand out a phone number? Yeah, for right now, just for right now, just my phone number. um, And that would be 765. 318 7330. All right. 765 318 7330 for you guys listening. Yeah. Heather, thank you very much for coming on and and bring a unique story. Thank you. That was that that was um you know, that's why I love having people come on and saying, yes, you can talk about what you want to talk about, because sometimes people don't want to necessarily cover their story again. 
you know, and something and they feel passionate about something. So I'm glad that I'm glad that raw recovery is here to be able to do that. Um, you know, kind of like when I, I was telling you, of course, you talk about this. This isn't my show. It's your show today. So um, my job is to make sure you're comfortable and you get the, the, what you need. So thank you very much for coming on and doing that. That was definitely different. And I appreciate it. And I appreciate you bringing your passion on um, about the families. I really do. Well, thank you for having me. It was um, it was nice to to talk with you and to talk about this. And I hope that somebody listening out there feels encouraged by it. Fantastic. All right, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you know, but we all have, you know, we all have people in our lives that that are going that we love that we love very much. Maybe it's not your, maybe it's not your, your daughter or your son. Um, and you're going to be told, well, you know, you can't do that because you're too close, you know, kind of like on law and order, you know, you know, you can't, you can't take that case because you're too close to it. There are things that you can do. There really are. So reach out. So reach out to, to Heather, to myself, um, and we can get you, we can get you the information you need so you can make good decisions around your children. Okay? And Heather and I have proved that it can be done because both of our kids are sober and we did not utilize tough love. This has been Raw Recovery. Thank you guys for being here. I love y'all. You know what I do. Peace out and have a day. <laughs>